This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Is everyone still awake? Awesome. I, I don't know what time church normally goes on, but in Stella Russia goes on until about 12, 1 o'clock, so that's what I'm prepared for. No, I'm joking. No, um, I want to encourage you, maybe if it is going on a bit longer than, than you expected, I'm not going to speak for long, um, but we hardly ever come here. The last time was a couple of years ago, so we really just want to share what, what God's laid on our hearts regarding this album, and it's, it's not about an album. It's not about a CD. We really feel this is God's word for us, even as a church family, as the chauffeur a group of churches, and even the, the broader body of Christ in the times that we're living in is to learn what does it mean to, to behold Him. Uh, but I'm just going to pray before I start. Father, we want to thank You for Your presence here today. We thank You that right now we can just be so aware of Your tangible presence, God. We thank You that, Holy Spirit, You're working in our hearts. And we want to prophesy of our hearts that our hearts are good soil, for the seed of your word, Lord. Let your word come and be established in our hearts, that it will bear much fruit. We pray right now, God, for just a supernatural focus as well on what it is that you're saying to us. That we wouldn't be distracted, but we'd be present to what you're busy doing and what you're busy saying. Glorify yourself. Glorify yourself amongst us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, uh, for those who don't know me, I, I've, for about 10 years now, I've been involved in, in the worship with Shofar, along with Richard Wade. I helped to oversee the, the different worship teams and give a lot of input, a lot of training. Uh, I married a worshiper as well, married the keyboardist in our, in our worship team. Band is a great place to meet your spouse. Um, and so, we've been married for about eight years. We've got a three-year-old little girl, Abby. And we've got another girl coming in four or five weeks, so our lives are going to change drastically. Um, my wife is the champion. She's staying at home, very pregnant, and with a three-year-old. Uh, well, we do, we've been doing, about, we're doing 16 of these launches uh, over the space of three months, so it's, it's quite an intense schedule, um, but we need to get them done before the baby comes, and then, <laughs> then we'll take a little bit of a break, and we'll carry on next year. Um, but it's really a privilege to be uh, to chat about beholding. Um, I know it's not a word that we, we often use, anybody who, besides referring to the launch maybe or the album, anybody who used the word behold in the last week or so? What context was that? Okay, you read it in scripture, okay. I thought you were like, behold my amazing husband. Or, or. <laughs> That's a great way to start the day, um, every morning. No, but... <laughs> So, the title of the album, Behold, it actually came from the song that we sang now at the end, Behold the Lamb. And that song started in Shofar Cape Town. Where's Greg? I don't know where Greg is. But it started with him in a, in a time of free worship. Uh, the band was just singing. After a while, he started singing this line over and over, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. And that line... Thankfully, the, the sound man that, that night, he, he had a cell phone and he quickly made an audio recording and then Greg sent that to me and I had some verses that I was working on and then they just 
fit together perfectly. Uh, and then Richard actually wrote the bridge. But, but that line, behold the Lamb of God, it comes from the first chapter of John. You can put that up on the, on the screen there. And this is John busy preaching his message of repentance. John preparing the way for Jesus. And I, I always imagine, I would love to know what went through his mind. His whole life's aim, his whole life's purpose was to prepare the way for Christ. And then he sees Jesus coming towards him. What must he have thought in that moment? And then scripture tells us that he says, as Jesus was coming towards him, he said, Behold, look, see, observe the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when we're speaking about beholding, we're speaking about seeing, but you know, not just a quick glance, not just a, oh yeah, notice that over there and then carry on with your life. We're talking about, you know, intentionally seeing, beholding, looking, considering. But I know that sometimes the whole idea of seeing God can, can be a bit confusing, right? Because I don't know about you, I haven't with my natural eyes seen God. I want to. And one day we're going to. That is the glorious news. We sang that song this morning. There will come a day when our eyes will see him. But I haven't seen God this side of eternity (laughs) with my natural eyes. And in fact, I wouldn't be able to. None of us would be able to. Uh, When Moses asks God in in Exodus 33, God, I want to see your glory. God says, Moses, I, I can't show you the fullness of my glory. I can't show you the fullness because no man will see my face and live. You know, if, if we had to see God in our current state, if we had to see God in his fullness, in his glory, in his perfection, in his holiness, fully unveiled, we would, our, our bodies would not be able to, wouldn't, wouldn't live through that experience. But we do see throughout scripture people who have seen or caught glimpses of God. People who have seen visions of God or people who have just had a moment in God's presence when suddenly God is revealed to them. And I always love to see not so much the moment. The moment is amazing, but I always love to see also their response. How does somebody who has truly seen God, what is their response? What is the thing that, that, that naturally happens? And you can put that slide up. There's a few examples Moses sees God in the burning bush, and his first reaction is he he hides his face. He's afraid to look at God. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, has this awesome vision of the throne room of God. He sees God's train that fills the, the temple. He sees the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. This awesome revelation of the holiness of God. And what does he say? He says, I'm... Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. He's so aware of his own uncleanness in the presence of God. Job has his whole conversation back and forth, and right at the end of Job, God asks Job a, a whole bunch of questions that Job can't answer. You know, where were you when I made this? Where were you? When, do you know where I store up the snow and, and all of these amazing concepts? And then it says at the end, Job says, I, my, my ears have had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen. And it says that he despises himself. He repents in dust and ashes. Ezekiel and Daniel, they basically faint. They fall to the ground unconscious, prostrate before the presence of God when they receive a, a vision of him. And the same thing with John. When he sees the ascent in Revelation, when he sees the ascended Christ, we sang this morning about the eyes of fire. He sees those eyes of fire when he sees the hair as white as wool. 
he falls at Jesus' feet as if dead. Is anybody picking up a theme here (laughs) of what happens when we see God? Because the reality is when we truly see God, when we truly have a revelation of his nature, of his perfection, his transcendency, his omnipotence, his his all-powerful, all-knowing, when we truly see him, we're so aware of our own inadequacy, of our own fallenness, of our own sinfulness. And we, we, know, we know that we shouldn't be allowed to approach a holy God. And yet, but Christ. This is the heart of the gospel. This is, this is the good news. The fact that we, each of us have this intense desire and longing to be with God and to know God. And we shouldn't. We don't deserve it. We are all acutely aware of the fact that we do not deserve to be in God's presence. We do not deserve to see Him. But through Christ, He made a way for us to draw near. He made a way for us to to know Him and to see Him. Because that's His heart as a Father. Yes, He's holy and He's glorious. But He's also love and a Father and merciful and compassionate and kind and patient with us. And so maybe... On this side of eternity, our, our, our natural eyes aren't going to see God. But Scripture also speaks about our spiritual eyes. The fact that God opens spiritual eyes so that we can see Him. We can read that together in Ephesians 1. Everyone still okay? Still with me? Okay. I know it's a bit warm, so every now and then I'll just do a check-in. You know, hold, hold your pulse. We're all still there. Okay. Ephesians 1. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, and he prays this epic prayer that you can really pray for. any. If you're wanting to know what to pray for somebody, pray this prayer. Ephesians 1. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. In other, in other translations, having the eyes of your hearts to be opened. So it's a spirit of wisdom and revelation who opens the eyes of our understanding, eyes of our hearts. Why? So that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? I'm sure all of us who've come to, to salvation have experienced this, that moment when I was blind, but now I see. You know, I, I, we didn't have the capacity to see God. We didn't have a capacity to know His goodness. But then the Spirit came and unveiled us. The Spirit came and opened our eyes, and suddenly we can see God. Suddenly we see the hope that we have. Suddenly we see the inheritance that we have, the glorious inheritance. Suddenly we see just this immeasurable greatness of our God, the measurable power of His greatness, greatness of His power. And so the Spirit of God opens our eyes, so that we can see God. Also in, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul again, he's saying, we all with unveiled face. Say unveiled face. We all, in a sense, have this veil over us. As Andre was sharing about the, the word that came up in intercession, there was a veil between us and between God. But we all with unveiled face. That veil has been removed. We can now see God. And so we're beholding. We're seeing the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
This is good news, right? We get to see God. That veil has been removed. There's an invitation to know God intimately and to see Him. Not, not only one day when we're in eternity, but right here. God wants to open our spiritual eyes to see Him. But at the same time, there's a constant war that is going on, that is raging for our attention and for our affection. Pastor Anton mentioned it just now in the worship. The clutter in our lives. The busyness in our lives. There's a const- there are constantly things that are fighting for our attention, for our affection. And it starts the moment we wake up in the mornings. Just take a, take a moment to think, what, what is the first thing you thought of when you, when you woke up this morning? I know some people won't be able to think BC, before coffee. Um, so, so maybe your thought processes start after you've, you've drank that. But you know, what are some of the things that we, that we think of when we, many times we go to bed with worries and concerns, we wake up with those same worries and concerns. We are, is our, and this is a challenge for me, I'm not saying this like I get this right, but for myself, I, I, I want to have that heart that the first thing I, when I wake up, my first thought is of Him. My first desire is to, know, is to be with Him and to worship Him. Not thinking immediately of what needs to happen today, task-focused, task-orientated. It happens, so we, we're constantly faced with these distractions from the moment we wake up as we go through our day, as you're driving to work, as you're at work or at school, when you come home in the evenings and you've, you've suddenly maybe got a, an evening free, what do I do with my time? So many opportunities to distract ourselves, to fill up our lives with these extra things. And, you know, on, on one hand, it's, it's the obvious things that distract us and, and take our attention and our focus off God. It's, you know, the, the things of this world, the, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, all of these things that we know. But, but sometimes it's also the good things <laughs> that make our hearts grow cold, grow cold towards God. Sometimes it's the relationships that God has blessed us with. As Greg was sharing, you know, children are a blessing. But they cannot satisfy that longing, that need, that desire we have for God. And yet so many times we, we look to these things. We, you know, our, our sense of ambition or purpose at, at work, we, you know, we've, got some, we've got all these dreams, these desires. Yes, this is my vision. This, this is where I'm going. And all those things are good things. But so often they, they distract us and they draw our hearts away from, from God. And we end up living these busy lives. Okay, I'm, this time I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. So, who, when somebody asks you, how's it going with you? Who answers some variation of busy? Come on, be honest. Huh? Maybe it's in Afrikaans, maybe it's in English. Busy. I know, nine times out of ten, that is the answer that I, I hear from people. We're just living busy lives. I answer that. I, even when I'm not busy, that's my, you know, it's my default. No, it's busy. Oh, wait, no, it's actually, it's not that. But we live these busy, distracted lives. And the, the, the difficulty is that we bring that state of distraction into the presence of God. 
and now we're wanting to spend time with God. Now we're wanting to behold God. But we have no idea what it means to wait on Him. We have no idea what it means just to be with Him. You know? Not to necessarily sing or pray or declare, but just to be with Him. Just to be still. Just to know that He is God. To wait on the Lord. To strengthen ourselves in Him. And we end up numbing ourselves to true relationship with God and true relationship with one another. Even our circumstances, things that are going on around us, they so often they consume us. They consume our thoughts. Greg spoke about it in his testimony, but so many of the songs on this album were actually written in very difficult times. Um, I didn't write all of them. I was involved with a lot of them. Um, but so, so, several different songwriters were involved in, in the project. And some of them going through real pain, disappointment, discouragement, intense trials. And then the, the question in the midst of those circumstances is always, am I going to behold the storm or am I going to behold Christ? Am I going to see Christ in this? Am I going to set my vision, set my focus on Him? Gregory already shared the, the lyrics of We Bearing Our Praise. Another one that's, that um, really just knocks me over is, is from You Are the Potter, one of the songs. I'll not be ashamed. I'll not be disappointed in this life you give in both pain and joy because you're just. No matter what we're going through, no matter what our circumstances are screaming at us, God is good, God is just, God is worthy. And throughout this project, for myself, so I had the privilege of overseeing things and together with the producer and with the band. But, you know, anything that has anything to do with people, <laughs> there's always going to be opportunity for conflict and for disagreement and offense and and all of these things. Um, I remember once, the, <laughs> I was so excited that um, the one vocal was going to be able to fly down from Bloemfontein to be there for the recording. And I excitedly told another female vocal, um, oh, it's amazing. Anna is going to be there to be able to sing holy. And then she looked at me and said, I thought you said I'm singing holy. <laughs> and in that moment... <laughs> You know, that's just a, a silly example. But so many opportunities for just where there's people, there will be conflict. There will be rela- relational tension. And things going wrong and not according to plan. But God's constant question to me throughout the project, James, are you going to learn to behold? If we bring out, out an album with the title, Behold, you better be learning what it means to behold. You better learn what it means to fix your eyes. And that's the song that we sang right in the beginning this morning. Fix our eyes. The words there. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. You're holding our complete attention. I always say this, that I didn't write that line three times because I, I didn't know what else to write there. <laughs> Nothing else rhymes with you, so let's just, <laughs> let's just repeat it. No, I... Who would agree with me that this is not something that you say once? This is not a prayer that you pray once. This is 
something we need to constantly remind ourselves, constantly cultivate, culture this heart of Jesus. I fix my eyes on you. I know this afternoon, tomorrow, later this week, I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to turn my attention to other things. But Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. And of course, this line comes from Hebrews 12, one of my all-time favorite scriptures. I'm going to try and write as many songs as I can from these first three verses of Hebrews 12, just because it's so beautiful. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these amazing men and women of faith who've gone before us, since we're surrounded by these witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Isn't that encouraging? We need to encourage ourselves with Scripture. I'm encouraging with you with Scripture this morning. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. He endured from sin as such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How do we not grow weary or faint-hearted? Consider him. Consider him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I want to say, even in the light of everything that's going on in our beautiful nation, I had the privilege uh, a week ago of, of going to India. We did a school of worship there. Man, go to India, and then you come back, and you really appreciate South Africa. You know, ATMs that actually you can withdraw money, and Ubers that come within five minutes. Do you guys have Uber in East London? Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> Didn't mean to have that in there. Anyway, so... Coming back to this beautiful nation and just being so grateful for it, but we're all very aware of the challenges that this nation faces. We're all very aware of a lot of fears in our, in our hearts. And so I'm not discounting, I'm not saying there aren't challenges, I'm just asking, where are our eyes fixed? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Okay, so the message of this album... It's to see God. It's to behold God. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go into it, but obviously the Word of God is the foundation of our beholding. We cannot see God. We cannot know God outside of the Word of God. And so that, that was a huge part of our desire as well with this album was to just inject as much Scripture as we could into each song. You know, because it's the Word of God that transforms us, that changes us. It's that everlasting truth that does not change. So, the Word of God, it's the foundation of our beholding God. And then Paul said, when we behold Him, as we behold Him, with unveiled face, as we behold Him, we're being transformed. Isn't that amazing that just by seeing God, we're being transformed into the image of Christ? Just by seeing God, how powerful must it be to see God if it means that it changes us? It literally takes us from one degree of glory to another. It moves us closer to the image of Christ just by seeing Him, just by beholding Him. Because it's only when we behold God that we actually 
begin to get a sense of who we are. We cannot truly know ourselves outside of knowing God. Amen? We cannot know ourselves outside of knowing God. Why? Because he's the, he's the author of our lives. He's the one who spoke us into being. And it's only when we behold him that we begin to hear what the Spirit says, who we are. It's then when we hear the truth of who we are. And this is what I'm going to end off with. Who are we? Romans 8, verse 15 to 16. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Church, we are sons of God. That's who we are. That is our identity. And obviously that applies to the ladies as well, right? Sons in the biblical context meant that sons were given a certain inheritance. They were given an authority. They were given the ability to act on behalf of their father. In that sense, God calls us sons. And this is a, just a, a line that God dropped into my heart somewhere over the process of this project, which is the, basically the, the crux of what I'm wanting to get to this morning. Worship like a son. Worship like a son. One of, one of life's biggest questions is, is, who am I? And it's something that all of us have wrestled with, are wrestling through, will forever wrestle with. Who am I? What is my identity? And if we, if we had the time to go down the, the aisles and chat to each person, and I had to ask you one-on-one, you know, just tell me about yourself. Think for a moment. What would you say if I had to say, just, just tell me about yourself? Who are you? I think so many of us would start with, you know, I was born here, and then I grew up there, and then I went to school there, and then I started working here, and I'm an engineer, or I'm a mother, or I've, you know, our culture, I'm an Afrikaner, an Englishman, I'm a Scotsman. <laughs> and that's so much, so often is the identity that defines us. We, we define ourselves by, by what we do. But we don't bring our identity as engineers or accountants or mothers or whatever into God's presence. We come as sons. That is the only reason we can, we can come is because God has called us sons. The fact that the blood of Christ has washed us clean, has made us new, has given us a new identity. And this is, this is the heart of it. A son doesn't wonder if he's welcome in his father's presence. If we know our identity, if we are rooted and established in our identity, I am a son of God, then I don't have to wonder if I'm welcome in the Father's presence. I don't have to wonder if God wants me nearby. And then no matter what happens, no matter if I make amazing successes in my life, if I am a, have an epic fail in, in the eyes of the world, that success or failure does nothing to add or to remove from the fact that I'm a son of God. And therefore, I can have confidence before God. It just removes so much performance from us. We love to perform. (laughs) 
we love to try and prove ourselves to God as if we've got something honorable. But our best works are like rags before him. I love one of my favorite lines in, in, in all of the songs is from the song Holy. We're going to end off with the song now in two minutes or so. And I just love it because it's so simple. I remember Greg and Anari wrote the song and they sent it to me. And I actually remember thinking, this is a bit simple, guys. You know, let's flesh it out a bit. Let's get a bit more. Let's do something a bit new or whatever. But it's honestly become one of my, my favorite lines just because it's simple, but it's profound. Second verse, no longer striving, in grace, now abiding, we're surrendered at your feet. That is the heart of a son. I'm not striving. I'm not trying to impress you or God or anybody else. I know that I'm accepted. I know my identity. This is God's desire for each one of us, for us to know who we are, that we're accepted, that we're affirmed. We're living in grace. (laughs) We're not living in our own works. We're living in grace. A life that is surrendered at his feet. A life laid down. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. This is the final scripture and the the band guys can, can come up so long. Don't you want to close your eyes as I read the scripture? I find sometimes we just need to, to close our eyes just so that we, we're not just reading words, but just allow the truth of what this says to impact your heart. This is from Hebrews 10. And he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through Let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.